This recording is a production of Faith Builders Educational Programs. This presentation was recorded at REACH 2015, a conservative Anabaptist ministry convention hosted by Faith Builders on March 19 and 20, 2015. Good afternoon to, to all of you. Many of you I uh, have had the pleasure of meeting before, and uh, some of you I have not. But let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have today to be inside and to uh, enjoy a warm building. And we pray that as we think about your work in the world, that we would be inspired to be a part of that work. We pray that you would bless our time together. In your name we pray, amen. When I was a year and a half, and maybe you could run the lights back there just for a little bit, Mr. Gingrich, Gingrich um, my parents packed their belongings in a few 55-gallon drums and shipped them to the Caribbean, where my father would serve as a church planter. And most of my growing up years were in the, in the Caribbean, in Puerto Rico. That experience uh, had a significant amount of shaping in my life, and I'm sure that I have yet to plumb the depths of figuring out how all that has affected me. One thing for certain, the weather in March was warmer there than it is here <laughs> right now. And this stuff falling is rather exotic to me. Um, so it's pretty out there. I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, but this, this effect, and you can turn the lights back on here. Um, you don't need to stare at me too long. Um, had an effect in the way I think about school and the way I think about uh, what I do and uh, what I think about school and my vision for our schools. And that vision is namely this, that our schools could and should, could and should play a strategic and a critical role in accomplishing what God wants to do in the earth. I'm, not, I'm rather certain that we're not living up to what we either could do or what we should do. The question is, what is God about here on this earth? If my vision is that our schools could plug into that, what is it that God is about doing? And I think that there was an interchange between Jesus and his disciples that was probably pretty intense. And in that conversation, I think Jesus tells us about what he's doing. And that comes from Matthew 16, where Jesus, where the Bible says this, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, there's something I'm going to do. I will do it, and nothing can stop this thing from happening. And that one thing is building the church of Jesus. What God is doing in the world is that he's building his church. Now, we use all kinds of terminology to talk about this. We talk about his kingdom and the variety of things that we use to describe this. But that is the business that God is in. If he's in some business, he's in the church building business. And we know that is both local, but it's also a universal term. The church is international. It's global. We know that about the church. We know that the work of the church is accomplished 
uh, through individuals. Actually, each member of the body is to be involved in the work of building the church. And we know that the building of the church includes a multitude of individual tasks, doesn't it? Uh, we need disciple makers, and we need people to care for the needy, and we need people who can raise families well, and we need people who do personal evangelism, and we need people who lead a worship services, and we need people to preach, and we need Sunday school teachers, and we need printers, and we need people who communicate, and we need teachers, and we, the, the list could go on and on and on and on. So God is building a global international church through the work of every believer involved in a diversity of tasks, and my contention is that fact should affect how we run our schools. Since God is building the church, then we should ask ourselves, how can our schools be involved in that task? But maybe the question asked first is why? Why is it the school's business? Isn't that the church's business? Isn't that the home's business? Why should the school be involved? And so I wanna answer quickly the why question. And then I want to go to the how, and I'm going to spend time there actually looking at how do we go about doing this in our schools. And I'd really like our session to be reasonably informal, so feel free to interrupt. Uh, some of you are prone to do that, Mr. Nold. Um, <laughs> and um, there are couches here, so that's okay if there's a bit of informal quality to it, especially as we get into the how and we talk about some ideas. So why? First of all, Contributing to the work of building the church will be the most significant thing that our students will ever do. Contributing to the building of the church of Jesus will be the most significant thing they will ever be involved with in their lives. So if we're in the business of preparing young people for their future, we would be failing them if we did not prepare them to be involved in that task. Are our schools training young people with the skill sets for being involved in the work of building the church? If that is the most important thing to be involved in, how are we doing? So that's the first reason. The first is it's the most significant. Second of all is this, very practical. If you look at a lot of churches around us who are not conservative Anabaptists, many of the young people coming out of their schools finish high school, and then they go on to post-high school education experiences, whatever those may be, going to the colleges, going to universities, going to seminaries, and doing additional formal studies before they move into what their line of work will be, including those who go into ministry types of work. When I say ministry type, I'm thinking everything from being a good uh, homemaker to being a missionary on a foreign field and being a Sunday school teacher, all those sorts of things. In our circles, it is not that way. That's not what we're here to discuss. It's just the reality that most of the folks here who are missionaries that might be visiting here or involved in ministry directly, most of them did not go to school after high school. Some of them didn't finish high school. They may went to eighth grade or 10th grade or wherever that was. So if that's the case, the last time our future missionaries and Sunday school teachers and preachers will be in a formal educational setting, it will be in our high schools. And I think we need to ask ourselves what do we want them to be able to accomplish when they're in their roles of ministry, serving as the superintendent on a Sunday morning or a topic on Wednesday evening, and then asking ourselves, if school is the last time they have any formal training about doing this, are we teaching them those skills? Is there a connection between school and church? I see examples of this in my own experience. I've been teaching next year, will be 15 years. I started in 1997, and a few years in between, I was in school. Today, here at REACH, my pastor is attending. 
my pastor is my former student. He's 27 years old. Today he preaches and he will come after his sermon periodically and say, Patrick, how did I do there? You want to critique my sermon for me? Now, I've told him I want him to be my pastor. Okay, I want him to be my, and there are other pastors in the church. He never uh, received any training after high school to prepare him in any way for that role of standing up in front and speaking and teaching. Isn't, is, am I talk, is that the way it is in your churches too, generally? Okay. Three of my staff members at my school are my former students. They're now teaching at my school. None of them went to college after they graduated from high school, but today they're functioning as teachers in my school. Did our school help prepare them for that? Now, I realize people go to faith builders and people do other things, but I'm talking in general terms here. I recently received a note from a former student of mine. He's a missionary in Haiti, and this summer he sent me a note. He's a young man, recently married. He said, Mr. Heatwell, thank you for teaching me how to prepare papers or speak publicly. He says, I'm preparing for my first sermon, and now I'm so glad I learned those things in high school. He never received more formal training after that high school experience. And I could tell you of other students like that. You know what I'm talking about. Thirdly, the answering the why question. Number one, uh, we said it's the most significant thing they're going to do. Number two, we're saying they're not receiving a lot of training anywhere else. Number three, I would argue that if you want energy poured into your school from your local church community, if people begin seeing a direct link between what happens at your school and what is happening on Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, Sunday evening at your church, there will be renewed energy for what's happening at school. And the folks that you thought were not pro-education, the way we use that term, you may find out that maybe what they were was not pro-education that taught only certain skills but left out other skills. I hope you understand me here today, many of you know me. I also care about training for the job. I also care about training for these other things people do in life, um, but that's not our topic today. I think sometimes our schools have focused just on the secular dimension of the training and we have not thought well about preparing for ministry. So how do we do this? And I want to spend some time thinking about the how. Can I just back up a little bit here? I think you'll also find renewed energy in students. When you teach them things and you, and you make the connection between what you're teaching them in high school and what they're going to be doing in their churches and at the prison ministry and teaching summer Bible school, and you make real and relevant connections there, I think there's renewed energy among high school students as well. So how? I'd like to, let's think about two things today. I want us to consider, first of all, what is it that effective servants, equipped servants of the church, what is their nature? I mean, we need to have some sort of a goal or a target here. So if I'm saying we need to prepare people to be involved in ministry, and I'm not, not talking about preparing them to be pastors necessarily, but the whole gamut of what that means. So what are those people like? Uh, what are people who are, do well as a VSer, uh, do well as a Sunday school teacher? What's their nature? And then secondly, how do we nurture that nature? Okay, so how do we actually go about preparing and building those things? And so I'd like to do that with two pictures. Uh, picture one, uh, to answer number one, picture two, to look at number two. So picture one comes from the sheep pens. He also, it says in Psalm 78, chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. 
from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Familiar passage about one of the great servants of the Bible, David. So what was he like? His heart was right. And I'm going to call this a servant's heart. We'll try to unpackage maybe a bit more of what we mean by that, but a, a good ministry person, someone who goes into missions, their heart really has to be set on loving the Lord, and they also need to have a love for their fellow men. They need to have a heart to serve. Secondly, there's a certain level of skill. Uh, someone told me they were recently talking to a mission executive, someone at, uh, that was a head of a mission agency, and they asked this person, so what is it that you're looking for in a mission worker? And he says, oh, I just want somebody who's, you know, just give me somebody that loves the Lord. And if you give me somebody that loves the Lord, we can make anything out of them. Well, the truth of the matter is, under further questioning, and if you talk to other people, they'll admit that there are people that their organization couldn't live without who have very developed skills. Skill does matter. And notice, God picked David, a person who had the right heart, he also was skillful, and I would argue there's a third point that's a bit hidden here. We need the right hearts. We need skillfulness. And notice that David had been doing something as he got trained. And I, I'm struggling with knowing how to talk about this, but David had had some exposure and some experience. He had fought the lion and the bear, right, before he got to Goliath. I think that within our high schools, we don't only need to think about how do we work on the student's heart, and we'll talk about how we do that, how we work with their knowledge and the, their hands, their skill, but how do we create opportunities to expose them, to give them some experience and some, some seasoning? I know they're not going to be seasoned when they come out of high school, but at least some exposure like David had so that when they go into ministry opportunities, they felt a little bit of what they're going to feel like when they get to those situations. So three things that I would argue are the nature of servants. Their hearts are right, they have some skill, and they've had a bit of experience. Second picture, how do we get to those three? Well, I think there's a lot in common between growing students and greenhouses. Do you all have greenhouses at your house? My, my father-in-law that's his business. He, he's in, in the greenhouse business. And we're both in the business of growing lives. He's growing plants. We grow humans. A number of components that a greenhouse operator is concerned about when he grows plants, I think, are also the ingredients that we have as teachers, as educators, to work on our students. And they are these. The person who is growing plants cares about the environment of the greenhouse. Uh, he cares about the temperature, about the humidity in which the plants are growing. In the same way, those of us who are involved in schools care about the environment of our school. We call that our school's culture, the way you do things at your school, uh, the things that are cool, the things that aren't cool at your school. Uh, what, what makes the teachers excited? When the students, if they know they get the teachers on this topic, the teacher will be really excited. That says something about the culture, in this case, of the staff, but also of the school. So environment will be a component we want to consider today. The person who's growing plants also is concerned about nutrients, what he feeds the plants, and I'm going to compare this to the instruction we give to our students. So we care about the culture uh, that, that they're living in, that environment, but we're also concerned about what the actual stuff that we're teaching. And thirdly, here's this one that I keep having problems with trying to describe. This is David out facing the lion and the bear. 
In the greenhouse business, they call this hardening off the plant. So if you plant some little tomatoes in your house from seed, and uh, it's er you know, early in the spring or late in the winter and they grow, you might stick them out on your porch eventually just to get a little bit of breeze against them to feel the sun before you just plop them in your garden. You hardened off the plant. So that's the exposure or the experience that I was talking about earlier, the process by which we provide students with a little bit of hardening. Now, if we put these two pictures together and you see that on your handout, I'm trying to map a bit between these three, and notice I used the seasoning there in that one. I'm not sure that's the best word, but these are the qualities we're looking for. These are the qualities David had. We're looking for someone with the right heart. We're looking with uh, appropriate skill and appropriate experience or exposure. And I'm suggesting that these components of the greenhouse, the top ones, are the ones that we use to work on these different areas. Now, this one is the one we'll have to play with the most. How do you go about developing a certain heart in a student? That's difficult. We know that really God is the one who does that work. But we do need to ask how do we come alongside to, to do what we can do. And so we'll look at what we can do with our culture to affect the students' hearts. We'll look about what are some things that we should be instructing, what are the skill sets that ministry workers have, and then finally, what are some of the, the things that we should allow them to practice uh, to provide some seasoning. Now, I'm going to pause right here. Um, do you have questions or comments so far before we get into, the, into some of the detail now about how, this is, how we'd like to do this? Okay, if not, we'll move on. So the rest of our time, and John Mark, can you let me know here, where are we at in our time? Uh, you have... Are we halfway? Yeah, it was about 30. Okay. The rest of our time, I want to look at some specific ways, some specific hows. So we've said, what is it that God is doing in the world? He's building his church. And our schools need to be a part of that. We talked about why that's the case. And then we said, how do we do that? We first create a goal, which is what does it look like? What sort of a student do we want to come out of our schools? And then how do we, um, how do we go about finding ways of, of growing that? Is it warm in here for you all or is it just me? Are you all roasting? I am. Is there any way of, of throttling that machine back? Is there a thermostat? Maybe a thermostat over here. Actually, this is cool air coming out. Is it? I don't know, but it is, it is really roasting in here. Thank you, John Mark. Now, is it all the way cool? Yeah, it says high cool here. Okay. That's fine. I, if, if we need to, hopefully we'll get a breath of fair, fresh air after a bit. How do you go about creating a servant heart? Uh, that really is probably a discussion that deserves its own session or the whole day or a week. What I'm going to argue here is that God has to do that work. And we can, we can teach in ways that influence that, but really one of the most powerful ways is to allow our students to live in an environment, in a culture that has certain components and if they're, if they're also receiving instruction from the church and from home, these other places, they're open to the Lord, that this culture will help guide them. Really, isn't that the way you were brought up? 
if you ask yourself, what are the influences that led me to be the person I am? A lot of it was not things you were specifically taught. It was the culture you lived in, your home culture, the experiences you had that uh, caused you to, to become that sort of person. So what is this culture like? There needs to be a contagious energy for the work of the church in your school. Among the staff and their conversations, while the uh, instruction is going on on the playground, if there needs to be a, a vibrancy surrounding the work that Jesus is doing in the world. So how do you get that? Well, one of the ways is you're careful about who you hire as your, as, as your staff. But your school needs to have an environment where people don't just get excited about the football team, but they're, that what they really get excited about is what the Lord is doing in the world. The things that are on the wall, the, the things that are discussed in the hallway, there's a lot of energy surrounding that. And I would suggest that, um, I'm going to suggest a few things that I have found to be important in working with students in terms of developing this vibrancy. Uh, one is that there needs to be a culture where the teachers in high school work with students to understand what it really means to follow the Lord. Uh, I think that our students are starved to know very specifically what it means to daily live for the Lord. Now, do they not receive this in church? Well, I think they do some, but it feels a bit mystical to them or just something out there, what it means to follow the Lord, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? And when I have taught students and tried to explain to them what the Christian life looks like daily for them, I sense energy. There's a, a, a culture there, an energy that comes from that. And I've heard students talk about this. Um, there needs to be a focus on the relationship with the Lord in our classrooms, something whether it's in science or math or history. There needs to be knowledge of God's will for their lives, something I talked to my students about this week. That should be a part of the culture. It's just a conversation about uh, it needs to be repeated over and over again, not a one-time teaching, but what is it that God wants for them? Um, I use this with my students to talk about God's will for their life. Um, the ultimate goal of their lives is to bring glory to God, but there is an inward focus and an outward focus. In First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, it says God's will is our sanctification. I tell the students that's an inward, that's us becoming more like Jesus. And then there's an outward focus of our lives, that is making disciples. And uh, having this just pervade the school atmosphere where students are hearing from a variety of teachers, from the staff, about what it means to follow the Lord, I think affects the culture of your school. It's just a, a conversation that's often there. Uh, there needs to be a proper experience with authority that leads to this vibrancy in your school. I had a student one, actually it was when Nate was an intern in Barnwell, he asked my students to write about someone who had had an influence in their life or something like this. It was a literature project he did. And one of the students um, wrote and wrote about his experience he had had in my classroom and he talked specifically about the issue of authority. And he said, I used to think that authority was someone who was, you know, mean and big with a stick beating you over. And he, he said, I learned that authority is someone who is on your side trying to help you achieve something. They're, they're for you. They're on your team. Now, I'm not going to say that all the students that, that have come through my classroom have responded in that way, but thankfully this one did. Uh, so there needs to be a vibrancy about following the Lord, and I've just given you a, a few 
few of those, to develop a servant heart. Second of all, a servant heart is one that has compassion for the least of these, the people in the world who are hurting, the people who are different from us. We need to be careful about the curriculum we use, the ways we teach that um, help our students understand the immigrants in our communities, the handicapped people in our communities, the urban poor in our communities. If I walked into a classroom at my school or your school, what sort of language would I use to describe the people who are moving in, uh, the Latinos that are in your community, um, the, the African Americans in your community? Um, do we talk about people who are struggling with compassion? Is that part of the culture of your school? If not, it will be hard to develop people who are good at ministry if they go around talking about everyone being weird. By the way, watch that word. It's a, that's a, a word fraught with a lot of danger. So if students say that was really weird the, the way they did that, that was weird, then there's something about their heart that still needs to be worked on a bit um, to see these cultural things as just weird. So is your school filled with compassion, compassion for each other? Is your school a way to develop this culture of a servant heart, a place that honors servants, that honors servants who have served the Lord? Uh, there are a variety of ways I would suggest that you, would, you could do this. One is by reading stories of servants. Who are these servants? Missionaries, church leaders, moms and dads who have been faithful, uh, pastors. And on the back of your handout, I listed just a number of books. There are many, many more. So just a few that um, have made a difference, I think, in my students' lives or that they've uh, enjoyed. So what are the stories we tell in our school? Who are the heroes? Uh, one of the practices I've started doing is interviewing anyone who comes close to my school that is involved in ministry or is what I would call a servant. Um, this could be a missionary that happens to be at church one evening and I'll say, hey, would you mind coming by school tomorrow morning? I'd like to interview you in front of my classroom. And so I just pull a couple stools out and I sit on one and they sit on the other and we just have a wide ranging interview, um, you know, sort of like a, a news show in the morning, you know, on TV. So uh, I'll ask them about how they became a missionary and I'll ask them about what life is like for them. And if it's a couple, talk to the wife uh, about what her life is like on the mission field. Um, Ask them what are the things that um, the students could do to prepare if they were interested in missions. Uh, maybe there's a nurse in your community who does really well with patients and, and have them come in. Uh, Richie Lauer, some of you know Richie. Richie was in my community recently and, and so I had him come and talk about what it's like to be an accountant. And um, he talked about opportunities in serving the Lord as an accountant. So a part of building this culture is a place where servants, ministry people, are a part of your students' lives. They bump up against them, they hear about them, it's there in front of them. See, our culture is bombarding them with a whole nother set, and our schools have to, to work on that cultural component. All right, we could talk the rest of the time about culture. Do you have any comments about just this culture part? And I wanna tell you one story to wrap it up then. Questions or comments about the culture? There was a young man who was a student of mine who went along on a field trip with me to Florida. We took a multi-day field trip to Florida and I had instructed them before this trip that they were to only use their cellular devices under certain circumstances. They knew what the, the rules were. 
Um, I find that on field trips, those devices tend to spread us out really thin, and I like it to be a group activity, and generally students do well. Well, that night I had my laptop along in my hotel room. He was in his hotel room, and I pulled it up and opened up the Facebook and went and checked his account, and he had made the wise choice of posting from his phone to his Facebook account at just a few minutes previously. This was a certain time when he was not to do this. So I just picked up the phone and called down to his room and said, uh, I won't use his name, and I said, uh, do you mind coming up here? And sure, so he comes up to my hotel room, and I open my laptop up and show him his post that he has just posted, and we had a conversation. And I told him that I did not trust him. Uh, really, he was not a trustworthy young man, and I told him that he would have to earn back that trust. Um, there were other problems in his life. I was watching his Facebook page one during the summer and there were a lot of inappropriate pictures being posted there. I had his parents sit down. They had not seen these pictures. I went and printed them all out, sat him down, set his parents down, or maybe it was just his parents, and I just passed the pictures out for them. I suggested that maybe they would get a Facebook account so they could keep track of their son. Um, but this young man had an experience with the Lord and that started his heart in the right direction. and his life began to change. And I think that some of that was also the culture he was experiencing at school there. And just to show you something of that change in his senior year of high school, one day he was out in his vehicle leaving and he was playing his music a little too loudly and I just hollered out to him and I said, hey, can you turn that down? And then there were other students around and I immediately felt bad about it because that was not the appropriate way to take care of, of that. And so I quickly got the phone and he had left to go down the road and I called him up and I said, hey, I said, I'm sorry about needing, calling you down in that way. I should have dealt with it differently. He says, oh no, Mr. Hewell. He said, that's perfectly fine. He said, I needed that. He left, graduated from high school, was a tremendous influence there, and went and immediately went into a, a missions program with a Youth with a Mission, YWAM. He wasn't a member of my church. He went to a different church. But his life, I saw his life dramatically change during those high school years. Now, clearly, God did something to his heart. We can't do that. But I think that the influences we bring, the, the culture in our classroom, the environment is important to develop those sorts of hearts. We need to pay attention to that in our classrooms. Second, teaching that develops skillfulness. What are the skills that um, servants should have? When I say skill here, I'm including knowledge and skills if you you sometimes we think of the head and the heart and the hands and heads being skill uh, hands being skill and head being knowledge I'm lumping those together here so it's both knowledge and skills I think that um, understanding others is one of the most important things that can happen one of the more important pieces of knowledge that can happen in our schools yes they need to know how to read do math but it's in the history classroom I would suggest in the literature classroom and any classes where students study geography and culture that will be very significant in preparing them to be ministry workers in terms of being servants. You see, we love people best when we understand them because when we understand those people, then we know how to serve them. So if I want to serve my wife in some way, I need to understand what she likes. Does she like chocolate better or does she like flowers better? And she generally, I think, would prefer chocolate over flowers. And she really would prefer me buying flowers at Walmart and not at the florist because she knows that the ones at Walmart cost $10 and the ones at the florist cost 50 And so if I really want to serve her well and love her, then I need to understand her. 
And where in school do we spend time talking about other people and understanding other people? It's in history class. It's in classes where we study geography and culture. You need to spend, pay a lot of attention to who your history teachers are. You see in the public high schools, you know who the history teachers are? They're the football coaches. It's the football coach who gets stuck with the history class. The Christian school needs to be different. Now some of you know I love history, so you say oh, it's just Patrick doing his history thing. Um, I, I do like history. But I like teaching the other classes as well. But the classes where you have some of the deepest conversations are literature class. Literature is very powerful in doing this and in history class. So this year we're studying world history and I was teaching about Muslims. And we spent some time there. We tried to understand something about their religion. We watched a video of someone who was a convert uh, to Christianity. And then I had my students write a paper on how to evangelize to Muslims. Where else in the curriculum do you develop this sort of knowledge and this sort of understanding about other people. Pay attention to your history teachers. Pay attention to the way history class is taught and the way your students talk about others in history class. Uh, in my community, there, there's not as many Latinos as in this community, but they're moving in. And I've let my students watch a video called On the Other Side, uh, something about on the other side of, I don't know, immigration or the fence. And it's Mexican people in villages in Mexico talking about why they come across illegally. Now, I'm not trying to make a political statement with my students, but I do want them to understand with compassion the people who are here and hear their side of the story. So make sure that one of the, one of the important skills, if you want to find a VS worker uh, for your mission, one of the skills that you would want is someone who is careful in the way they think about other people. Develop that in our schools. Then there are skills that are particularly important, and I want to spend most of my time here. Remember what we said earlier that we go, in our circles, we go from high school to pastor, from high school to Sunday school teacher, from high school generally to a Bible school teacher. And that's generally the last place where a student receives any formal education. I think our high schools need to be teaching methods for Bible study. And tied to that needs to be practical teaching on how to teach the Bible. And if that is not a part of your school, I think you should look into whether it should be. Where else will our students learn to teach Sunday school? Now, they may watch and kind of gain from osmosis. They may happen to have a father or a mother who's a good Sunday school teacher. Uh, but one of the skills that servants have, servants who serve the Lord, is the ability to handle the word and to teach it. So where are they learning that? Now, maybe your community has found a way of doing that outside. And I was talking to Clifford Schrock a little earlier at SMBI, and, he, and so there's an opportunity. Some people go to SMBI. Some people go to other Bible schools. Uh, but where are we teaching this important skill that is a ministry skill? Uh, one of the things that I've started is a class that teaches Bible study methods for part of the year, and then it moves into Bible teaching methods, and students... Uh, learn how to teach Sunday school and put a Sunday school lesson together and then they have to go teach that Sunday school lesson. In this case, uh, this year I had them do it uh, in our school, which is a 1 through 12 school. They had to go and teach a lesson to the first, second, third graders uh, to get some practice and some feedback. Um, I had a student who went off to Bible school and I got a phone call and she said, Mr. Heatwell, can you, can you remind me? I, they told me I have to teach Sunday school. 
at, this was at Heritage Bible School. She said, I need to teach Sunday school class. Do you, do you remember, what was that thing, the way you taught us about how to design our lesson? And so I gave her some help on her Sunday school. At least she had a resource to go back to. And I was able to give her the information. It was a sort of an outline I had taught them about how to arrange the lesson uh, to be used. Are we doing this sort of thing in our schools? Public speaking, I think a lot of your schools have a public speaking class. Let's make sure that our public speaking class is not just about how to make money and develop friends, what was the Dale Carnegie thing, to influence people and so on, but that public speaking is set in the context of service. Um, how about apologetics? This doesn't have to be a stand, these classes don't have to be standalone classes. They can be woven into other parts of the curriculum. You could say, I don't have any spot in my curriculum for apologetics. Well, could that be, could you uh, talk about why we believe uh, the Bible is trustworthy in this course? And another part of apologetics, maybe a defense against uh, evolution, could be in a science course. So be creative about how to work these into your curriculum, but ask yourself, what are the skills? What are the skills that we need? Other are music skills, leading singing, uh, uh, things of, of that nature with music that we use in our churches. Where are they learning how to do that? So care about the culture. I think the culture is going to shape the heart. Care about skills. We do this through instruction and through practice. And are we down to about 10 minutes? We'll go to the last one. Let's provide some experience. Just like David faced the lion and the bear before he had this faith face Goliath, could our high schools be places where students could face a few of those critters um, and actually break through some barriers? You know, sometimes helping people, you have to get used to just being with someone different than you. And if we could break a few of those down early on, maybe it would open up some doors for ministry later on. So uh, a few examples here uh, that I have. Experience in ministry skills. I've talked about that a little bit here. I'm thinking about things like teaching the Bible, leading singing. Uh, a lot of this can be done in school, in chapels. But what are the sorts of ministry skills? Maybe ushering. Uh, maybe your church takes care of teaching ushering somewhere else, but maybe there's a, a component about ushering that should be in high schools. I mean, where are they going to learn these skills? Maybe you want to partner with the ministers in your church, and they send in someone to your school to, to teach some of this and some some uh, class. Maybe your school should develop a whole track, a whole curricular track. You can have uh, math and science and history, and then one of the tracks is uh, servant skills. And I know uh, Steve Brubaker has done some thinking about this, but uh, there are a number of classes that can be pulled into that. Public speaking could be a part of that. Music could be a part, but that there is actually a strand that runs through your school that focuses on these sorts of skills that are used in the church in the home. Uh, home ec could be a part of that. Uh, certain components. So experience and ministry skills. Community service. Do your students uh, do uh, get opportunities to get into the communities and serve? So this might be raking leaves. Uh, this might be singing at nursing homes. Uh, maybe, maybe you have an art class at your school. Have they ever displayed that art in a nursing home lobby or foyer? Is anyone else being blessed by the art that your students are producing? Uh, some of this community service should be ongoing and just happen uh, naturally, normally, as a part of rhythm of your school life. Some can be specific projects that are planned. One of the things that I've done with my students is that every Christmas we do not give gifts uh, simply because we find that we generally have all the things we really need, but instead we give others gifts. And for a number of years, 
we uh, went out into the community and did random acts of kindness without calling people up or anything. We just went with our rakes and uh, this, okay, this is in South Carolina, sorry, this doesn't translate very well. Uh, about Christmas time, we'd go with our rakes and, and um, lawnmowers. And we'd, we'd just go to somebody's house that looked like they needed the yard cleaned up, didn't get it cleaned up yet, and we just knock on the door and say, we're just coming through the community doing, um, just serving, and could we clean up your yard? And then she's, oh, and then my neighbor next door, she's sick. And, and so we go to the neighbor next door and to clean up her yard. Uh, the last year I did this, it wasn't this year, previously I was at the grocery store getting bags, you know, to put all these leaves in. And I asked the lady, I said, do you know someone? She's, oh, my mom. And so she called her mom up and made the arrangements right there on my way to school. Um, so that's kind of a special thing, but are, are you looking in your community, finding ways where students can get some of this? And I realize, depending on the size of your school and the nature of things, it takes more organization. If your school's smaller, you have some flexibility. So community service. Um, service projects, probably many of your schools raise money for uh, uh, different ventures. Be consider doing this spontaneously at times. Uh, there was once this year where I heard of a need in uh, Haiti uh, where there were some students who couldn't go to school and they needed money. And there was someone that I trusted that would be able to funnel the money correctly to this need. And there was a, a need for some funds. And so I just let my st whole student body, 1 through 12, know about this. And there was some need. I think it cost $70 to send someone to school for a year. And I just told the students, if you'd like to give give we raised uh, seven hundred dollars and we didn't do anything special students just brought money and we put uh, 10 students through school in Haiti this year so find ways where students are involved in service their eyes are open to service they pick up trash in the hallways they wash things uh, their servants and then you can find cross-cultural opportunities this year I had an op a special opportunity for my students to travel to Atlanta Georgia and visit a homeless shelter that shelters women, around 200 women and children, um, kind of long-term shelter. We were going to go and visit and do a service project just for an afternoon, and the folks there said, look, why don't you just come and spend the night? We have a dorm here, and you can spend the night, and what we want your students to do is to play with all the children. But what they have to do, they don't come and just do things for the people. They need to live with them. And so at supper time, uh, all these homeless women and their children were at these little round tables, and I had done some prep with my students to prepare them for this. They walked in, and they just had to go to a table and sit down with a mom and her children, and most of them were of a different skin color than my students were, not all of them, and they had to sit there with them and just initiate conversations with these children and mothers. And miraculously it worked <laughs> but they went and all over this room are these women who are suffering and their little children actually what worked was that the little children just came running and jumping and hugging my students and then they took my students and they went and they uh, put them into a playroom and they had to take care of all these I could hardly believe it the children were flying around throwing footballs you know tackling each other and my students were supposed to take care of these children um, we slept the night there we woke up the next morning helped cook food I had a student wake up at you know, I saw him sneak out of the dorm. I was a little concerned. He's one of those students that I was concerned about. So after about 10 or 15 minutes, I snuck out after him, and here he was in the kitchen cooking with the chef at about 4.45 in the morning, and he helped prepare breakfast and, and for the ladies. Find those opportunities. Why? Just because it's a novel experience? No. I think it starts breaking down the barriers of the different. Me, I'm different than you. At least in high school, they can start having some of that exposure and some of that experience. In no way did we take care of this topic here today. But really what I want to accomplish is this, that we think in our schools, not just give lip service 
to, oh yeah, we want our schools to, to be a blessing to the church. But can people in your community point to direct links between your high school and the church and say, here's something that's happening in the high schools that's making a difference in the life of our church. They're blessing the church. There are better moms, there are better dads, there's better song leaders, there are better Sunday school teachers. They're not proud, they're not cocky, they're humble servants, and there are VS places that are delighted to receive people from your community, and there are mission agencies who love to have families from your community, and that can be traced back to the teaching of the school, the, the skills. It can be traced back to the culture and also to um, the experiences. And of course, these things are not possible if homes and churches, the institutions that God instituted, are not doing their work. Remember that we work for those institutions. I'd like to end with one of my favorite passages about this in Matthew 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Notice the four characteristics of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, that's history class, that's current events. Jesus noticed people. He knew something was going on in the world. He was aware of the world. He had compassion. Knowing was not enough. Jesus cared about it. So he was aware of the world. He cared about the world. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Jesus knew that he was going to build his church. So he was aware of the church building that was going on. There are plenty of people in our world who see crowds and have compassion, but they don't see that the harvest is great. But the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to ask him to send more workers into his fields. I started off with that picture of uh, Puerto Rico. And um, in many ways, I would like to be in a place like Puerto Rico. But God hasn't led me there. He's led me to be in a school for right now, and he's led many of you to be in schools. And may we be involved in the process of sending more workers by helping our students see things, know things, have compassion, and also an understanding that God is doing something. He's building his church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we've had to just think a little bit about what you're doing in the world. We pray that in our schools, uh, we would take the time, put the energy into the hard work of making clear plans, working alongside of churches, homes, to develop the skills, to develop the hearts, the experiences that would help prepare young people to be involved in ministry and to do well with that. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have, and um, please forgive us for a way in the times that we haven't um, used those resources well. May you bless all of our schools. In Jesus' name, amen. This recording and many others are available through Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders. Order online at www.christianlearning.org or call 877-222-4769.